Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. Happy Mother's Day to all the beautiful mamas in the house and all the beautiful mamas that are watching online. We've got Michigan, North Carolina, Georgia, Hawaii, Virginia, New York, New Jersey, Ohio, and Tennessee. Welcome. We are so glad that you are joining us and all of my beautiful mamas in here. Happy, happy Mother's Day. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have been strolling through the card aisle and you had a really hard time figuring out which card that you needed to buy? You're looking through and you're looking through and you just can't figure out which one encapsulates the words that you wanna say. I know I have had that happen many a times and To be honest, Mother's Day can be one of those days where maybe we have a hard time finding just the right card. Mother's Day can invoke so many different emotions because so many people are in so many different places. Maybe your mom has passed away or maybe it's been a long time since you've seen her and the relationship is estranged or maybe you want to be a mom and it's been an infertility struggle and just very difficult or maybe you had the absolute best mom in the world. Whatever the case, I just want you to know that here on this Mother's Day, we love you and we are here for you, and I want to just start off um, by saying that as I stroll through the aisles, I know there's many cards that I have come across, and not all of them fit the occasion. What I'd like for you to do is figure out from these cards that I read, which one would you give to your mom? The first one says, Dear Mom, Thank you. Dear mom, thank you. I know it's just me and you against the world for a long time. Your job was thankless and difficult. You worked so hard to give me everything that I needed and gave me a good childhood. The time and effort you put into raising me with Nana did not go unnoticed. The older I get, the more I appreciate everything you have done for me. You'll always be a person that I know I can laugh with, cry with, and create meaningful memories with. I am the man I am today because of you. Thank you. Maybe that would be the card you would give to your mom, or maybe another card down our card aisle is more fitting for you. Dear mom, 
I miss you. Dear mom, I miss you. I miss you being right down the road. I miss dropping by for dinner or dropping by with laundry so you can get a stain out of my dress or fix a button. I missed you before now, but now that I have a little baby of my own on the way, I miss you even more. I want you to be here to set up his crib or hang up all of his clothes. I want mom to know what all of his different cries mean. I'm going to miss you missing the little moments. We almost lost you six years ago today. So today, I'm thankful that you're only a phone call away or a FaceTime away. I'm thankful that a little bit of you will be in every batch of cookies that I bake and every button that I fix. Mom, as much as I miss you, I know that you're always with me. I love you. As I was growing up, I did not have a mother that was there for me and looked after me. So Mother's Day was always a painful reminder of something that I didn't have until I actually got to have kids of my own and turn the tide. So I remember every Mother's Day just having a pit in my stomach and just being a painful day because I desperately wanted to know what it was like to have a mother-daughter relationship, and I have that now. I have two girls um, and a boy, and so I get to have that relationship now, but that was something that I didn't have growing up. So this is the card that I would have picked. Dear Mom, I wish things were different. Dear Mom, It's been years since we've had a close relationship. I wish things were different. You've chosen to miss out on so many important milestones over the years. It hasn't always been the easiest for me. But I'm about to start a new chapter and just want you to know I'm doing fine. We are doing fine. I wish things were different. Which greeting card would you pull today? I told you which one I would pull, but think about that. And just think about the relationship that you have with your mom, or think about the relationship that you want to make sure is different in your kids' lives, or the things that you want to make sure that you pass on. I was reading in my Bible this week a mother who It's interesting about the greeting cards because when she was around, um, the early Egyptians we found from reading uh, in our, our Bibles, not only were they translated and put on papyrus, but the early greeting cards were actually written on papyrus, which the early ancients um, for the um, Egyptians, they are the ones who actually began to write greeting cards. They started, it's not something that originated here in the United States. And I started thinking about this, and I started thinking about this mom. Her name was Jacobed. But the interesting thing is, is you don't see her name listed in scripture. All you see in scripture is that she's Moses's mother, but you never actually hear her name 
mentioned. We find that in other texts and things that give us an idea of who she is. But I find it's, it's so interesting because it's much like us mothers. It's not even about us making a name for ourselves, but making sure that our children are great making sure that the purpose and the plan that God has for them, that they fulfill that and that they walk that out. So when Moses' mother, Jochebed, when she was about to give birth to him, there was a decree that went out. And the reason the decree went out is because Joseph and his brothers, who, if you understand the story of Joseph, he actually came to Egypt and was the right-hand guy in charge, and he brought all of his family uh, over, his brothers and their families with him, over to Egypt. They were Hebrew people, and the Hebrews began to grow, and the nation of the Hebrew people, which became known as the nation of Israel, began to grow really big inside of Egypt. Well, the Pharaoh who was alive under Joseph passed away, and a new Pharaoh came uh, into rulership, and he didn't like the fact that the Hebrew people were getting so large, and he decided that because of that, he was going to figure out a way to make sure they understood who was boss. And so because the Egyptians controlled the government, they decided they were going to put a law in place that said that any baby that is born to a Hebrew, any baby boy, must be killed. So here is Moses' mother. She's pregnant, and she hears this. Could you imagine the feelings that she must be going through? I mean, they didn't have ultrasounds back then. I knew what all three of my children were before they were born because I saw them on ultrasound. Well, they didn't have that. So could you imagine knowing that if you are gonna have a boy, then it is literally a death notice? She's walking through this wondering, you know, what, what, what child am I going to have? And the whole thing was just a threat to the Egyptians because they said, you know what? We've got to keep control. How many of you understand it's very important for governments to want to keep control? And if they don't feel they are in control, they are going to make sure they do things to keep control. So what you see is you see the government say, listen, we're going to do away with all the baby boys because they're getting a little too numerous. And we're not going to be able to keep this control, this hand on them if they outnumber us. So the first thing they tried to do to control the population was they had a lot of hard manual labor. They thought if we oppress the people enough, they will stop reproducing. So here is all this oppression that they inserted, but the thing that was disturbing to them is they're like, wait a second, they're still multiplying despite all of the heavy-handedness that we're laying on them. So we've got to figure out another way because when you oppress God's people or you attempt to oppress God's people, we pop back, right? So they said, okay, so now we, we have no other choice but to, to kill the babies. 
That's how we're going to try to gain control is to kill the babies. And ironically, we're in a season right now where for 50 years nearly, we've allowed for that to happen. And right now, we're at the precipice of that being overturned, where it is no longer allowed to just freely kill the babies. And so here we are. I find myself reading through the scripture thinking it looks a lot like what we're walking through today. The oppression that has tried to come in. The innocence of life being tossed away and discarded like it's nothing. And we'll find out what God can do despite all of that. The decree in Exodus 1.22 from Pharaoh, it says, He gave this order to all his people. Every boy that is born you must throw in the Nile, but let every girl live. Just in case there's anybody in the room that ever said, well, Romans 13, we must always obey the government. Just giving you a little snapshot that that's not always the case. When my government goes against my God, my God's voice will always be louder. I could not imagine being pregnant and wondering, am I going to go through all of this and then they're going to come and take my child because it's a boy. I can't imagine the agony or the pain or every day praying, God, please let it be a girl. Please let it be a girl. God, please don't let them destroy my child. Moses' mom gives birth and she realizes that it's a boy and I want to read this story to you in Exodus 2, 1. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. Again, her name is not even mentioned. And she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child because every mother thinks their child's a fine child. She hid him until they turned teenagers. She hid him (laughs) for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket. Interesting, that's what greeting cards were made from. She got a papyrus basket for him, coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister, Moses' sister, asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother, which is also her mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. 
How amazing is that? <laughs> Getting paid to take care of your own child. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. So interesting to me that this mother takes her son, wraps him in a papyrus basket, covers him in a greeting, and sends him down the river. You know, I think many times when we think about our job as moms or we think about that calling, because it really is a calling, and children really are a blessing No matter what the Supreme Court decides, children are a blessing and a heritage of the Lord. And to imagine that you know you did everything you can. For three straight months, you hid your child and did everything to try to keep him safe. But now you're at a point where his cries His cries are going to be heard, and and you've got to figure out what to do. And and so the best thing you know is to wrap him up and let him go. You have no other choice but to trust God. The same God that gave you this child, surely, God, can can you take care of him, and can you hold my heart? during a time when culture is so hostile. I feel like culture back then is very much where we are right now. Little babies mean nothing and they're discarded and we're watching the government send down rules and laws that are completely against the word of God and we've got to make sure that we stand strong even when the current of the Nile River is raging because here's the thing. She wrapped him up, the very river that he was supposed to be drowned in, she lays him in a basket and she sends him off. I don't know what that must feel like. The closest thing I can relate to sending a a child off is, you know, I'm an empty nester now. My husband and I, our kids are grown, married, out of the house. Our youngest one, she's not quite married yet, but we'll see where that goes. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. But I remember the day that my son went away to college. He's, he'll be 25 this year. And I remember when he went to college, standing in the bay window, watching as his taillights as he moved out of state. And I remember just crying because I was gonna miss him. And I couldn't just stop in his room and see his face. And it's the same window that he used to stand in the bay window when I would pull my car out of the driveway and he would wave and, and he would do this, which meant I love you. And if he couldn't see me do this back, he'd get upset. And then I had to flash my lights three times. You know, I love you. Flash the lights, flash the lights. And if I forgot to flash the lights, I would immediately get a call from the babysitter. You need to turn around 
And I'd turn around, I'd come back in the driveway, flash the lights three times, and then I could leave again. And I remember when I watched his lights leave, and I texted him, flash your lights. I didn't let him go down the Nile physically, but proverbially I did. I, as a mom, have had to wrap my kids in a blessing, wrap them in a greeting and say, God, they're yours. And as they go down the river of life, sometimes they get stuck in the reeds. But that's when we've always got to trust that somebody is there to help draw them out. And I never would have chosen to walk through some of the situations that we've had to walk through. I would have taken a hard pass on a lot of the things that parenting involves. But one of the things that I do know is I know the very river that was set out to destroy Moses is the very river that actually let him float down to his destiny. You see, sometimes we don't like the way that things play out, but I think the better question is, is did they still get to the palace? You see, Moses might have come through the back door, but he still came into the palace. I think so many times we, we would have liked the front door. We would have liked things to have been good. We would have liked things to have been the way that we planned them out. Because after all, as moms, we've got to plan everything out. And it needs to go according to plan until it doesn't. But as our kids are floating down the Nile, floating down the river of life, there are so many things that could derail them. The, the rapidly rising water, the things that are under the water that could destroy them, the things that are to the side. What if life tips them over? That's when we've got to know and we've got to trust that God has them wrapped. And there are times where we have to let go. And it's painful and it hurts because the Nile is unpredictable. But one thing that we can rest assured in is that if we raise our children right, the river doesn't matter. The Bible is so specific that if we raise our children right, that when they are older, when they are grown, they will always return to the Lord even if there's a season of getting stuck in the reeds or having to come through the back door. You know, Moses had a purpose and, and a destiny on his life. And there were things that Moses was gonna have to learn in order to help take him to his potential. But see, here's the thing. There were things that Moses did that Moses shouldn't have done. Moses knew his roots, and I love the fact, you know, in Hebrew culture back in the day, 
um, just because of sanitation and culture and the water and all those different things, they would nurse their babies a lot longer than we would here in the U.S. It was anywhere from three years old to five years old. That would be a little weird and a little creepy here, right? But that's what they did then. And we know that Moses' mother kept him for as long as she could and then she turned him over to the palace and he was raised in the palace. But the Bible says he never forgot where he came from. So those early years are so important. And so even though Moses was raised inside of a culture that was not the culture of God, his mother instilled in him what he needed for the journey that's ahead. But there are still some things that Moses is going to have to do. Everything's not on the mama, right? There are still some things that Moses is going to have to do for himself in order to walk things out the way that God has designed for him. And Moses is about to come face to face with his insecurities. And in doing so, guess what? When our kids come face to face with their insecurities, that means us mamas, we're coming face to face with ours too. And so here he is. He was in the palace, but he sees somebody beating up on a Hebrew slave, one of the Egyptians, and he loses it because he knows that's his people, and he ends up killing this man. So this man... He takes him out and he buries him thinking that nobody saw, but somebody did. And when he finds out that somebody saw what he had done, he flees and he goes out into the desert and he spends a lot of time in the desert. And he just so happens to, when he's out there, find an amazing wife and he, he has a great father-in-law. He's got something great going on. And how many of you know sometimes you can just get real comfortable? He'd been out on the backside of the desert for a while. But when you have a calling on your life, God doesn't let you live on the backside of the desert. There's seasons of that that are preparatory training purposes, but he doesn't let you live there forever. You see, out there in the obscurity of the wilderness, he can hide all of his insecurities. But what God's got planned for him, you know, it's going to take some dependence, some dependence on, on God. And he sees this bush, he's literally walking by and he sees this bush that is on fire but the bush isn't burning. And he gets a little closer to figure out what's going on. And all of a sudden, the bush starts talking, saying, take your sandals off. And he takes his sandals off because he understands honor. He understands reverence. That's also something that's missing in our culture today. I think we need to bring honor back. And he takes off his sandals and he steps closer and he realizes that God is talking to him from this burning bush and he begins to have an experience. And I think it's interesting because when we come face to face with God, God does not let us get by with our excuses. When we're just hiding out in obscurity and, and not doing anything profound but just 
taking each day as it comes. We don't have the opportunity for our greatness to be confronted. So here is God, and God says, Moses, you're going to have to go back to where you came from. You know, the place where you were hated, the place and culture where you never really fit in, the place that tried to destroy you, you're going to have to go back. But it's not just for you, Moses. You've got to go back because there are millions of people depending on you to get it right. That's a little bit scary for someone who's been living in obscurity for a while when God shows up in the way that he does and he calls him out. But this wasn't the first time he'd been drawn out. After all, that's his name. And God is trying to draw him out again. And Moses begins to give God five different reasons, five different excuses why he's got the wrong one. The first one is in Exodus 3:11. But Moses said to God, "Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh?" And that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Hey, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And God's response is, Moses, you're right. But I'm going to be with you. I'm good enough. I got you. I got you. I'll be with you. I know sometimes as moms, when we're trying to raise children in such a hostile culture like we are right now, I've had so many mothers just in fear going, I am afraid for the world that my children are growing up in. And I say to them, then raise your children to confront culture. Don't be afraid of the world, but you let the world know they should be afraid of who you serve. Take culture back. We don't bow to culture. We take culture back. The next thing that Moses says in Exodus 3.13 He says, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what's his name? What shall I say to them? I mean, they're going to quiz me. They're going to test me. I mean, what do I say to them? I don't feel equipped. How many of us have not felt equipped for the thing that God has dropped in our heart. Maybe it feels too big. We don't feel like we have the skill set necessary. What is God's response? Hey, I'm the one sending you. Anybody that tries to come against you, let them know I am sent you. I've had, uh, I've been pastoring for 30 years, and it hasn't been until about three years ago because of some of these um, old teachings that have, have resurfaced, and there's some very liturgical, um, dogmatic men that have put these teachings out, 
And it's basically about three men right now. And I've never in 30 years, until the last three years, ever had anybody question how a woman could be a pastor or how a woman could preach or teach the gospel until the last three years. And some people might think that that rattles me or shakes me up or whatever. Here's the thing I want you to know. I am sent me. I didn't call myself. I didn't ordain myself. I didn't appoint myself. Matter of fact, I thought I was going to be a fashion designer. I thought I was, you know, going to be, that's why y'all like, oh, that explains a lot. I thought I was going to be a fashion designer or I love home design, decor. But you know what? The funny thing about God is he still lets me use those giftings. I've got to design all of our church buildings, got to design the lodge that we just got for all of our men at Freedom House, and I still get to have my little fun with fashion. But here's the thing. When God called you, what anybody else has to say, it's none of your business. What somebody else has to say about me, if it's against what God said, it ain't none of my business. I don't care. When God equips you and asks you to do something, whether it's your children, whether it's your job, whether it's, hey, you put the words in them so you can have your kids go and stand up against culture, or whether you go stand up against the principal, you join the PTA, whatever it looks like. God wouldn't ask you to do it if he wouldn't have equipped you. He's saying, I'm sending you. Exodus 4, 1, then Moses answered, here's his third excuse. Well, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. And he says it again. And suppose they say, suppose, 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 we do the what if game all the time. We do the what if game all the time. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. In other words, who's going to believe me? Like who's going to believe I'm sitting here and I'm having this experience? Who is going to believe this? What in the world? God's response is I'll show them signs and wonders. Here's what you're going to do, Moses. You see what's already in your hand, that rod? I will use what's in your hand. And he has him throw the rod down and the rod turns to a snake and he picks it back up and he's saying, listen, you are in charge. You are over these snakes. That's why he makes them bend down and pick it up by the tail. Most of us would not wanna bend down and pick up a snake by the tail, but he's working that fear out of him. Right, because you're, you're out in the desert, you get bit by a snake, you're a goner. He has him bend down, pick up the snake. And then he says to them, put your hand in your coat, pull it out, leprosy. And then he showed him how it disappeared. And he said, and then you're gonna pour blood, you're gonna pour water out, and it's gonna turn to blood. All of this is gonna happen right in front of them right in front of them. Exodus 4.10, then Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, 
nor before. Like, this ain't never been a thing, God. Like, I wasn't eloquent then. And God, even now after you've spoken to me and I've seen the whole burning bush thing and we're having this conversation, and I still ain't eloquent, God. I'm slow of speech. I'm slow of tongue. Some translations say that he stuttered. He had a speech impediment. Wait a second. You don't call somebody to go and speak to millions of people who's got a speech impediment, who's a stutterer. Like, God, you, uh uh-uh. No, no, I don't think you understand. You see, I've got flaws, and that's why don't call me. Call somebody else. Don't call me. How many of you in here got some flaws? Raise your hand. Those of you who aren't raising your hand, that's your flaw. (laughs) You're lying up in church. If we could not be called by God because we had flaws, that would make every single one of us null and void. The fact that we have flaws makes us human beings. But we still have a call and we still have a purpose. And we still have a plan. And God's response to Moses is, hey, you know what? I'm bigger than your flaws. I'm bigger than your flaws. Exodus 4.13. He says, but he said, I love it, he keeps saying, but he said, but he said, he supposed, and he supposed, and he's trying one more. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else that you may send. God, if somebody else can do this, you go ahead. I don't want this. I don't want the responsibility. I, I've been, like, getting by out here. I don't need all this. I don't want all this. I've just kind of been tending sheep, and, and I've gotten used to tending sheep in the desert. And God says, you know what? I'm going to have you tending my sheep. I'm calling you to a higher level of shepherding. I'm calling you out. You see, what happens is when God calls us higher, that the thing that we start to feel is, ah, now I'm not going to be able to do this in my own strength. He's like, you're right. Well, that means I'm going to have to be dependent, and that makes me uncomfortable. But see, God wants us to live that way. He wants us to live dependent on him because Moses is like, you got the wrong person. And God's response is, Moses, I'm going to send somebody to help you, okay? I'm going to send Aaron. He can help to be your mouthpiece. But I'm still, Aaron is not the one that I've called to go deliver the people. I've called you, but I will bring the assist. But you still got to make the basket, but I'll let him assist. Do you understand, Moses? Okay, God, okay. So Moses goes and he does this, and we know the story that all of the Hebrew nation, the Israelites, they all are freed and they go out and they're marching to their freedom. But it would never have happened. It would have never happened if a mama wouldn't have trusted God with her baby despite the hostility of culture. She could have said, God, why? 
Why during this time? Why would I give birth to a child during this time when this decree is out there? And God, why a boy? Because see, God knew way before she did the plan and purpose for Moses. God knew that he needed a man for the time and he needed a woman who was willing to walk through personal pain. As I think about his mother, I could think about her feeling all three of the cards we talked about. Moses thanking her. Thank you for being there for me. Thank you for sending me off, wrapping me in a prayer. I could see him sending a card saying, you know what, Mom, I miss you. I'm here in the palace, and I miss you. I know wherever you are right now, Mom, you're thinking about me. I also could see him sending the card that says, Mom, I wish things were different. I wish it wasn't the way that it was. But since it is, what are we going to do about it? Can you stand on your feet with me today? Here's what I want you to know. That God's voice in front of your children and your voice behind them is all they need to accomplish every great thing that God has in store for them. Keep your voice, even when you're like me and you're an empty nester, it looks a little different now. Instead of telling my kids to take the post down because they live in my house, now I just suggest it might not be the best post. But mama's voice is still in their ear. Instead of demanding they go upstairs and change their outfit, I just say, has dad seen that picture? But mama's voice never stops. Always behind our children, even if they get stuck in the reeds, always behind them, cheering them on, praying for them, praying that they get unstuck, praying that they, if they've got a little bit lost, that they will hear God's voice and they will always remember the whisper from their mama. Do you know, I don't care who we are, all of us in this room and all of us watching, we've had points in time where we felt lost or we felt stuck. We felt lost. Today, right here, right now in this moment, you may feel lost. This isn't just for the moms. Could you close your eyes and just bow your head? Maybe you feel like you've been a bit distant or a bit lost in your relationship with God. I would just like to ask you today, the heads are bowed, the eyes are closed. Would you just take your hand right in your seat and just put it over your heart? Just, just felt a little lost. Just felt lost. Thank you. I see like 30 or so hands. I love that. Maybe you just felt lost. I'd also like to ask you this. 
Maybe you know that if the basket tipped over, you drowned in the river. Maybe you've been feeling underwater. You've been feeling drowned and you know today that you need to be rescued out of that water. You know today that you need God in your life. If you want to join in with the rest of us, would you take your hand and put it across your heart as well? Thank you. Thank you. That's for you online as well. And there's people right there that can be there for you, that can pray over you. And I'm gonna say this prayer today and I want us to all say this loud and together. Say, Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Mother's Day and we ask you to take the heaviness off. We ask you for a do-over, for a fresh start, a clean slate. We wanna serve you all the days of our lives. We believe that your son Jesus died on a cross and rose again for our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want you to continue standing and what I wanna do is I wanna pray this. We're gonna sing this song and this is a blessing that is gonna go all over you, all over your family, all over your children, your children's children. We believe in legacy here at Freedom House Church, and we believe the best is yet to come. We will not be defined by culture, but we will set culture, and the children that grow up in the house of the Lord will be mighty and do great exploits for the kingdom. So that, that, is what we claim over your children. And let me tell you this right now, and I'm speaking this prophetically to any mom in here whose children may have wandered off, who may have been stray. They are coming back. They are coming back to the house. Don't stop praying. Don't quit. Don't give up. They are still in the house. They may just be asleep right now, but God is coming in and He's gonna wake them up. If you Google, how do you wake up a sleepwalker? It says to make a loud noise and God is about to make a loud noise and shake them, wake them up out of their slumber. And I believe this song of declaration is going out over you and your children, whether you have a newborn or a 25 year old, or whether you don't even have children yet. Now is the best time to start claiming your legacy. So join with us as we sing and believe this over our families. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House 
and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message. Thank you.